Why have I quit my job? Why have I, you know, bought a van? And, and why am I going to drive around the country? Well, I'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard. And I want to stitch these stories together across the states. We're going to find the commonalities. And it's going to be really an amazing experience. And I look forward to you joining me on the job. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Mental Health Today. That was a little uh, audio I had done, yeah, man, almost two years back now. Crazy to think it's that far back, but about two years back when I was contemplating getting on the road with the jar, you see the van being kind of topped off and finding, you know, looking for that common thread. And over time, you know, it really was the journey so many people have taken around mental health and really struck me. Uh, on taking a break around December, I had a couple months to to ponder, you know, what I was going to do with the jar when I re resumed. And part of that uh, was to add on this podcast, Mental Health Today, and talk about the challenges people are having and, and really get into the solutions. Honestly, quite, quite honestly, this is really a show about people who tell a little bit of the story about how they ended up in the space and really a lot about what they're doing and what their experiences are. And then any ideas we, you know, that we may have, we may be able to conjure up on ways we can improve mental health delivery, uh, the ideas, and just have good conversations around, you know, how to improve mental health today, you know, in the U.S. and, and really around the world. Um, kind of cool. Every once in a while, the, you know, every once in a while, the, the universe goes full circle. And uh, Karen McCracken, our, our guest sitting there. Hi, Karen. Thanks for being a guest again. again. And I met, I met Karen almost exactly a year ago uh, in Kentucky, and she was a guest on, on the jar. And we, you know, we had just had, we had a great connection and just the work she's doing. She's got, she's, I mean, she's inspired, truly inspired. And, doing a lot and has had a pretty interesting personal life journey as well. And um, it's just funny to see you working on your book, your next book, Karen. And it's like, came across my LinkedIn and I'm like, you got to come on the mental, you didn't know the mental health show today existed. And I've, and I had kind of forgotten about your side stories. And so it's like, it's great. You, you belong on this show. And um, so thanks for coming on and thanks for carving out some time. Um, how's everything going? Great. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to, I'm glad to see you again. It has been a year um, and things are going pretty well. It's been it's been an interesting year all the way around. I think um, things are good, but busy. I think um, I have a lot of blessings, but with a lot of blessings comes a lot of accountability and a little craziness. <laughs> and that is you know, kind of funny, of right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. They go hand in hand. It's, it's, you know, when you ask for something and then you get it, you better be prepared. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So um, things are good. I, I've, you know, I have a book out, I got another book coming out in the spring and things are good. You know, when, when you were here um, a year ago and we, we talked about everything under the sun because it was the jar, which was so yeah. much fun, by the way. I love that. And I uh, love, love all the episodes. I, I really do. It's so interesting so many more people have so much in common than we think we do. Yes. You know, right. we, isn't that great? All across the U S all shapes and sizes, colors. Yeah, it is. We're all human. Uh, We're all human. And then when I saw this podcast, the mental health today, I was really psyched uh, because yeah. we didn't really get to talk that much about yes. mental health when we were doing the jar. Yeah. Cause you know, it, you answer the questions that come out of the jar. Yep. Um, but 
mental health, uh, being mentally healthy is a huge theme in my own life as well as in mm. my family's life. And so that's something that as soon as I saw you were doing this, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I need to be a part of that too, because this is important to me. I think like it is yeah. important to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's because it surprised me. It was not on my li- It was not on my bingo card last year. <laughs> mental, mental health. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But I was open to the idea of what would it be? You know, I think in the the important part of my words there were, you know, we're going to find out what those common threads are and we'll talk about it. You know, we'll bring it back. Um, You know, that's the process we're in right now. Tell us what's going on. What's your, you know, I think this is a fun part. Maybe a little bit of background about, you know, some of the challenges you've had, how you ended up, how does mental health become so prominent in your life? And you've got a beautiful story, but I want to focus less on that. And then I want to get to your, the OCD stuff in your book and what you're doing in the space to help. But maybe just share five minutes with people. You know, why is it top of mind? Uh, I, I grew up with mental health issues. It, of course, at the time, we didn't know they were called mental health issues, right? <laughs> I'm old enough that no one talked about stuff like that. Yes, right? it's weird, um, right? Yeah. Wasn't right. Even, it wasn't even a word. You were no. mentally, you no. were either mentally ill or something, right. else, or you, they didn't talk about it. Right. It was a hush hush thing. People just, yeah, they just might've talked Ill. around you, but they didn't talk to you about it. Yeah, exactly. So, so for me, um, having OCD growing up, of course, I didn't even know it was called OCD growing up, not until I was in college that I know <sighs> it was called and that I wasn't the only person this way. <laughs> so uh it was a, it was a real it was a real struggle you know we today we have the monica geller uh, idea of what obsessive compulsive disorder is from a friend you know we have or a movie idea or mm. even even some of these reality shows really aren't very real um some yeah. of them are some of them aren't so you know we had that idea so so it was very important to me but later in life uh after I was married and um, actually my first uh, marriage did not go well. I got divorced and OCD was part of the reason. Um, but yeah, exactly. Surpri- and then, uh, Shockingly surprising. Yeah. Um, and then when I worked through a lot of my OCD and I, and I actually, I wrote a book about it for that reason, because I thought, okay, wait a minute, other people need to know that uh, you can help yourself and that you can yes. get help from other people and there's no shame in it. And so, um, so mine is a faith journey as well as a, a, a self-help mm. journey. But also then when I got married, I married a man that unbeknownst to me had um, extreme PTSD uh, from uh, being a firefighter paramedic and other things that had happened in his life. And I, I married into a family that was in the middle of grief because his wife uh, of 16 years had passed away of cancer. And, um, so they had an adopted special needs son. So, um, our, our son, I later on adopted him. Um, but our son also has OCD and, uh, he was born fetal alcohol. So he has other issues as well, but me going through OCD helped me to be able to help him through his OCD. Um, it, even now though, when it goes unchecked, um, he, he has severe issues from it. So mental health, mm. um, he, he spent time in, in a psychiatric facility and, and various things. So it's, mm. it's, um, uh, mental health is a huge deal, huge deal. Um, and I think 
you know, you just look around today, you know, as well as I do. I mean, you've interviewed so many people mm. uh, on the jar. I, I, I don't even know what, what portion have uh, attempted suicide. Um, and, and suicide Good. is a real wow. impact, you know. One in, and that's one in 10. Yeah, one yeah. in 10 of my guests. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of, that's, that's why it's important to me. And I don't honestly know any family, anybody that I've met. And, you know, I've spoken around the country as, yeah. as, a, as a speaker, I mean, like 400 times, four different, hundred different places, 400 different venues. And I, I've never been anywhere where I haven't met people who have mental health issues. Hmm. Never. Yeah. I, I was so surprised. It's so such a thread in the show, the jar show, right? And, it is. Yeah. And and it just got to be where it's quite normal. I mean, I, I don't meet people generally that haven't had real life challenges where they had real difficult moments in their life and or people around them with mental uh mental illness, even not even just tough moments of mental health, but managing mental illnesses. Not easy. Yeah. And I don't think it's new. I, I don't think it's new. I mean, I think since uh, it, with my faith, I believe, you know, in Adam and Eve, mm. since they got kicked out of the garden, I think we've, I mean, look at Cain and Abel. Hello. Dysfunction has been a part of our world. <laughs> get, Cain and Abel. You know? Yeah, I think it's yeah. pretty much baked. I think it's baked into the human condition. <laughs> right, right. So I, I don't think it's new, but I think in the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years with social media and more awareness that people are more willing to talk about it and yeah. help each other through it. So I don't, I think it's more the norm than, than not the norm. And, yeah. and I think it may not, you know, the, like you said earlier, they used to call it mentally ill. Um, yeah. We, now we call it mentally healthy or unhealthy. And I think yeah. that's far more befitting because um, I think that, our, our brains are so complex and, and so amazing mm. and we can do so much with them that they're susceptible to illness and to dysfunction, just like any other part yes. of our body. Yeah. You know, and so about your, your book, tell right. us about the book coming out. What, what's, what's Oh, the book coming the, out. Yeah. What the woman you, stand what, firm. Oh no. Woman inspired. No, no. Woman stand firm is the name of the book. Woman the inspired. One. Oh, say that again. What is the next book coming out? The one you were on LinkedIn just recently. That is uh that is Woman Stand Firm. Woman Stand Firm. I'm sorry, that's it. Woman Stand Firm. Tell that's me, it. tell us yeah. about it. That that's um armor up in the battle for your identity. And that is a book uh, about faith and how the world tries to tell us we should be all of these different things. You should compare yourself to other people and you should look like this and you should talk like this and you should label yourself this or this or this, but mm. that's not the way I believe that God made us. And I believe the Bible talks about that. We were born to be who we were born to be. And I believe that God um, has a lot to say about that. And I think our faith goes back to, to um, you know, my faith goes back to how we should be gaining our identity through Christ through God, who God made us to be and not mm -hmm. feel pressured by the world and trends and, you know, women who are trying to change themselves constantly to please somebody else or to please the world. And so the, the book is really directed towards women, but it, there's a lot of principles in it about how just, you know, we try so hard to please so many people 
or to get attention or to do different things, men and women alike and how, yeah. um, you know, we can stand firm in our faith. We don't have to try to change ourselves for somebody else. I don't think any of us are perfect. We were born to be perfect, but um, we can be the best version of ourselves we can be. Yeah. On any given day, I can be my best version for a few minutes. You know, you're not going to get me there all <laughs> at first. You know, I ain't going to be there right. for 12 hours in the day. You know, you, you right. get the best version of me for a good 15 minutes. And right. But that, you don't you have know. to, you know, you, you, you don't have to change who you are. Uh, Absolutely. I think we Absolutely. all have a, our own journey and our own in our own place in this world. And I think we all have a purpose. And when we try mm. to change ourselves left and right, we're going to miss that purpose. We're going to mess it up. I, I'd agree. This The purpose thing is so interesting. I just interviewed a gentleman who has a really interesting life story. Like his backstory is pretty cool. And he just he just moved his family here to Flagstaff. And he got let go from the firm that brought him. So after oh. 18 months, they said, sorry, now, you know, we're out of money. Basically, they're, they're, it's a, it's a faith-based company and they, they don't have people coming. And so he's the new guy in. He's the first guy out. And, you know, he's just shell-shocked, right? Because building the community, mm -hmm. you want to stay here for, you know, until his kids graduated from high school, the, the wife moved in, she's built their practice. So it's like all of a sudden, you know, losing that, every, your whole dream is shattered, right? Everything you, you planned on is gone. And, you know, I was kind of saying, you know, but based on your background, man, this is, this is you know, this is your gift, because you've got this amalgamation of, you know, your interest in food and food culture and, you know, spirituality. He's a, you know, he's a religious guy. He graduated with a degree in, you know, in philosophy and religion. Um, he came down here to be kind of a, a minister in a way. So it's interesting, you know, but he's looking at it. He's got a very eclectic background. And this is the chance for him to put it all together and, and, and find his purpose, you know, and use That's all great. those little pieces and tools so um, the one thing I loved about your, I don't know if it's this book or the next book or the last book, but, you know, you talk about a woman being too much or not enough. Yeah, that's I just the love, I just love that. I love that quote. Yeah. I was like, because that is so much what it's, I, I, don't know, I have no idea what it's like yeah. to be a woman, but that just seems like words that have probably come out of my mouth describing yeah. women. Like it, sometimes it, it it, is. it's, she's too much. Or, yeah. you know, I she's, think a lot of women she's got to shine. She's got to, she's got to come forward more. She's got to be more mm -hmm. assertive, yeah. you know? <laughs> and these are like yeah. work things that immediately pop into my mind. I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh, I've said, I've said both of those things. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, women say it about other women, men say it about women. Oh. And it, I think it's a, yeah. I mean, it's, and then we go around this comparison thing, but yeah, I don't know how many times in my life I've been told I'm too much or I'm not enough or, you know, one or the other. And it's like, okay, yeah, somewhere yeah. in here, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta work this out. Cause somewhere in here is the truth. Um, and the yeah, truth somewhere is in here is the truth. You're right. I'm, I'm just who I need to be. Uh, and as much as that doesn't mean you can't improve yourself. That doesn't mean you can't make yourself mm. healthier. That doesn't mean, but to totally radically try to change yourself uh, because the world says you should be something else and, and identifying, you know, what I talk about in there too. And, and this, a lot of this, I think sometimes plays into women's mental health is we try to morph ourselves into something else to please other people, or we wrap yeah. our complete identity into yes. the role that we play. 
So, okay, yes. I'm a, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, um, you know, I'm a, a, a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a whatever. But when we do, what happens when life changes, which it does? What if you become widowed or you become divorced? So you're no longer a wife. Who are you then? So if your identity is totally wrapped up in the role that you play or a title you have or a job that you have, then who are you when that changes? So, I mean, what do we need to constantly seek? We need to find out who we are for who we were born to be, however God made us to be, so that when life mm. changes, because it will, tragedy happens because it will, or even great big blessings happen, and they will, um, it could still change our roles. We need to know who we are. So when those changes come, we don't lose our identity. So that's what I the book's that's... about. Okay. Well, that's interesting, because that's really what my interview was this morning. You know, that that describes it so perfect, Karen. Really, he had they had and and they as a couple had wrapped their identity around the church, around the organization. Mm -hmm. This is where they were going to yeah. be. Yeah. Um, it's probably where they spent their free time to volunteer, you know, so all yeah. of that unwinds because you can't you know, you're not going to you're not employed there. You're going to go back, I guess, as a as a part of the congregant. Yeah, stronger yeah, yet, right? Yeah. But that's very mm -hmm. different. It's very different, weird, very different relations because you've been scorned in a way, right? I mean, that's a rejection, and that's so. It sure is. There's a career thing involved, but there's also a personal thing, a social thing. Very comp. And I think you're right. People wrap themselves up in the role, and when yeah. you lose that role, and you can be set adrift, lost. And you know, I think it happens just as much and maybe more with men than it does women, because I know mm. my husband was a firefighter paramedic for 24 years and he got injured in, and I think I talked about this on the, yeah, on the jar. Yeah, we did. He got injured in an accident um, in the ambulance. And um, so he, you know, he had no choice. He was, they wouldn't let him come back to work. It for a good two years, he felt like he was lost. He had to completely get retrained and do another job and something where he wasn't lifting anything and all of this stuff. And it, he, his whole identity, I didn't realize how much his whole identity was wrapped up in being a firefighter paramedic. And so mm -hmm. it's, a, it's something that we've, I think both of us have learned over the years. Um, yeah. But I do think it creates some severe mental health issues. You could, you know, when you feel like you're lost and you don't know who you are. Oh yeah. You, you don't know, especially when you really, like you said, when you've got a hard, good identity and that's your, that's your identity. And mm -hmm. people know, you know, how many people know you as that person, you know, yourself yeah. as that person. And all of a sudden you're not that person. That's, that's like yeah. psychologically, that's pretty heavy stuff. How do you, right. how do you bounce back from that? Um, especially when something you had that you attached your identity was so positive and you were so proud of it and so happy oh, with it. Yeah. But what do you do then, you know, if your spouse cheats on you and then you end up divorced, you know, or you end up yes. in a relationship you didn't realize was going to be volatile and you end up victimized or, you know, mm. you, you end up in a car accident and you're disabled and you can't do the job you did before. It, it, it has a negative connotation and you, you know, what do you do then? So who we are, uh, is greatly dependent on, I believe, on who God made us to be, not the roles that we play and the titles that we give ourselves. So that's the funny part. So therein lies the therein lies the conundrum. You know, is what what yeah. baseline can you what what can you create that's unchangeable, that mm -hmm. is valuable? Like you said, it has those other components that being a firefighter has. So what else right. can you do that's important in life? 
it's a yeah. really interesting way to look at your purpose as opposed to finding it on the, you know, somehow searching and finding it will lead to something, you know, beautiful and you'll live your purpose. But from your standpoint, it's finding your purpose is important for life, for you to go through with, you know, the least amount of trauma and turmoil is Biden finding is finding your purpose and, and developing it. Right. Well, and the thing is, is we're not finding our purpose so that we're important. Yeah. We're important because yes. we are. We're just important because we are. If we, you know, we're here. I'm still here. That means I still got a purpose and that purpose can change. That's just life. But I'm important just because I exist. You're important just because you yeah. exist. If, I, I believe if you weren't important in some level on some um, plane or another, then you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be breathing and you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. And the fact <laughs> is, is that we, we, we have free will. So some people just skirt their purpose. They don't care. Yeah. They, okay. they, they use, you know, they use what they are and their gifts and talents for bad things. And we see that all around mm. us every day. But those of us who don't want to live that way, we have a choice. And so we just have to walk in that purpose mm. and the knowledge of that. If we're here, it's because it's important for us to be here. I, that's quite interesting. I love that. I love that frame. If you're here, you're important. And yeah. it's, a, I, I, let's use the important word if you're here it's you're, you're important and then yeah. it's important that you find out why you're here yeah yeah and, and there's there's purpose in it there's purpose in pain there's purpose in in the plan for your life there's purpose in the fact that you're breathing air hmm. you know so that's how I feel. And I, I think that does tie back to mental health. And um, that was hard for me to see, like I said, just growing up. Uh, and it wasn't until I, I think I was in my early 30s. It was my early 30s before yeah. I really had a handle on the OCD and could move beyond it to go, OK, wait a minute. I have purpose. And and to it, it was actually faith as well that helped me work through the OCD. I mean, it yeah, used to yeah. control I used to control a hundred percent of my day, a hundred percent of my day. I, I remember having OCD behaviors from the time I was eight years old on up. Um, that's a, my first recollection of really having OCD behaviors. And you know how I found out I had OCD? <laughs> Phil Donahue. <laughs> I was, I, I know I came home from college Wait, one day, okay. was getting ready to eat something, studying. I just flipped on the TV and uh, Phil Donahue show was on there and um, they were talking about OCD. And I saw this guy on there flipping a light switch on and off, on and off. And I'm like, I literally dropped, I wrote this in my book. I literally dropped my Dr. Pepper on the floor, just went everywhere. And um, I was like, how did they, I'm like, how did like this person is doing what I do? And I thought I was the only one that it's did like, this. And it was really Yeah, it's like trickery. Yeah. That's like this how is I a lie. Out. Like there's not somebody like me. Yeah. That's how I found out that what I had was OCD. Um, but it still took a lot of years and a lot of faith. And I actually worked um, I prayed one day and it just all came to me how I'm supposed to deal with this. And I, I, I you know, OCD is based in fear. You're just afraid of everything. And so oh, okay. one day I was, I, I prayed and um, huh. I really, it, it just really washed over me. I prayed for God to take my fears away, which I had never done. Isn't that crazy? I'd never, ever prayed. I was a praying person, a person of faith. I never <laughs> prayed for God. I just prayed for him to help me get rid of the OCD stuff. 
I didn't pray for the underlying issue to go away. So it changed everything. It changed the way I look at things. I realized, okay, wait a minute. I have these behaviors that I'm doing, like counting and repeating and tracing numbers and, you know, excessive cleanliness, which there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. It's, you know, it took COVID for everybody to realize that clean is good. I'm just saying. Anyway. I I love that. It took, it took everybody else time to realize my OCD around cleanliness is. It was a good thing. That's right. It was, (laughs) I was keeping the planet safe long before everybody else was. (laughs) So, but anyway, um, it, I realized that all of these things, I could manage them. You know, if my brain was smart enough, which I have a phenomenal memory. If my brain was smart enough to remember all these things and be able to count and do all these things, then my brain was smart enough. I could use my OCD to control my OCD, which is what my book's about. I used my OCD (laughs) to control my OCD behaviors. So I felt like if I'm going to repeat stuff, if I'm going to count stuff, if I'm going to obsess on anything, I'm going to obsess on something that's positive, something that's affirming. So I took note cards and index cards and pieces of paper. And I wrote um, quotes from the Bible. I wrote quotes from famous people, things that were encouraging to me. And I put them everywhere in my pocket, in my purse, on my dashboard, in my car, across my mirror, next to my bed, everywhere I could. So anytime I wanted to count, which was a huge deal, a huge time and energy sucker in my life, it just took up every, took me a long time to do everything. So anytime I wanted to count or I wanted to repeat something or do some sort of OCD action, I would obsess on whatever that thing is that was closest to me, that quote, that thing. And I would read it over and over and over again. So those positive affirmations and those positive truths from the Bible, they got in my head instead of the numbers, instead of the obsessive other thoughts that I was trying to think and the other things. And so, and and I didn't know that they, they actually have now have different types of behavior where you do things like this, but this was something I'd never yeah, been to therapy. S- yeah. No. Never been to therapy, never did anything like that for it. I was too afraid to. Um, and so this is what happened. And within a year, 90% of all my OCD behaviors were gone. I did this religiously, like if, with everything. I took one OCD compulsion at a time, whether it was counting or repeating. Like I used to have this problem where I would repeat everything somebody else said in my head. So like, like, like just say something to me right now. Yeah. I would say like, you know, Hey Karen, thanks for being on the show. Right. So in my head, I had certain numbers that were safe numbers, like most OCD people do. And so I would repeat in my head, Hey Karen, thanks for being on the show. And I would repeat it in my head four times before I could ever respond to you. And it was, I, there was some sort of fear attached to not being able to do that. Um, I would have to have, you know, silverware in the drawer, a certain way, knives pointed a certain way. I'd have to do a ritual of certain steps of things before I go to bed, when I showered, it was, it, it was every part of my life. It would take me to fold just, let's just say one basket of towels. It would take me about 35, 40 minutes because I would have to fold each towel a certain number of times and each towel would have to be the exact same way. So my entire life was taken up by the time I was in my mid twenties with OCD. It was just I functioned before that because I was hiding it, but it got to the point where I couldn't hide it anymore. So I had a couple of years and this was in during my first marriage where I barely left the house. I couldn't even keep a job because I was so 
bogged down by this. And um, once I started doing this and I started praying more, because I, I got to where I couldn't even pray. I couldn't even read a book fully and I couldn't even read my Bible fully because I would have to repeat everything four times or seven times. So you can imagine how long it takes you to read one little verse in the in the Bible so or one chapter least, in a book. At least four times longer. Yeah, yeah, at least. So um, at least. Yeah. So oh my so when God. I started that is switching a bananas. My it it is uh it it's really hard. It's very hard. It 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 can take up so much of your mental, it takes up so much of your mental energy. Yeah, yeah. It just even energy, physical energy. And, and on top of that, yes, it's physical energy. And on top of that, you, you still have the fears that are underneath it. Like for some reason, I had this fear that if I, if, if I didn't have the knives in the drawer the right way, uh, that like pointing in the right direction, that someone was going to get up in the middle of the night and use one of those knives to kill me and my family. That's a, something I had from the time I was little. And it wasn't until I was healing from OCD and praying that I, I was watching TV one day and an old movie came on TV and there was a, a man that was getting a drawer and had snuck into a house, gotten, a, gotten into the drawer and a knife out of the drawer to go kill the family. So sometime when I was younger, I had seen a clip from that movie or seen that because I knew right away when I saw it, that's why oh, you knew. I think so uh, different things had attached into my brain about different thoughts that I had to get rid of. And so once I knew what it was, I knew that I could conquer it. So I just had to continue to pray for God to shine some light on why am I afraid of this or why yeah, I'm afraid yeah, of why this. I'm afraid of that. And uh, yeah. And so that made a huge difference. Mm. And um, and that helped me when uh, when my son started having issues, our adopted son, when he started having issues to be able to help him understand what was going on with him. Um, and I did my best, but he, you know, I think mental health is a very personal thing. So you yes. can, especially with a child uh, or somebody who has some developmental issues, uh, you can work really hard to get them help. But at some point they do have to try to help themselves. So mm -hmm. it's been hard. And he's, he's been actually on medication for years for different mental health issues, including the OCD. And it, it doesn't always work. And especially someone who refuses to take medication at times. And he went through a bout last year where he refused. He, he stopped taking his medication. He's in his twenties now. And um, he stopped taking his medication and he refused. And he lives, he lives in a, he doesn't live with us. He lives in a home with guys who are just like him. And, and that helps him a lot. Yeah. So he's yeah. as independent as he can be, yep. but he decided he wasn't going to take medication anymore. And um, it all caught up with him. So um, he had a really rough summer last year. It was last June, uh, June, 2022. And um, he actually tried to kill himself. At and, the end, uh, right. After all he, being off the meds and everything, being off the meds a few months, he slid his wrist. Dang. It was a very, very horrible time for all of us. Oh man, um, You had to go through. I'm so, so that's brutal to go through this. That was in June. And so, you know, people, I, you know, I think, probably, and I may be wrong, I may be sensitive to this, Ken, <laughs> hmm. but I think probably more than any other mental illness, people make fun of people with OCD. People make light of I, obsessive compulsive disorder because it's, it's been in a yeah. lot of movies and a lot of different 
things. Oh, it's so funny because somebody's so clean. It's so funny to, you know, oh, well, let's rearrange their stuff. Let's do this. But they don't understand the, the stress and the fact that behind all those little actions is actually a fear. And when you live in yeah. that kind of constant fear, it can send you overboard. And, and I think, Oof. you know, for me, my son knew from early on, he knew, he knew God, you know, I think this is my personal opinion, but I think a lot of people who have um, maybe diminished mental capacity or lower IQ, mm -hmm. I think they get an extra special blessing. He doesn't think about a lot of stuff and, and all, let all of this world stuff get in. He just kind of knew he just kind of knew God. There was no barrier. You know, I think he just knew about God and love, but, but the problem to that is, is I think a challenge for a lot of Christians to code. So I don't believe that this is it. What you see right now, this isn't, this isn't it. When we leave here, we go on, right. Mm -hmm. We go on someplace else. Well, when you have severe mental health issues, boy, that looks even greater and greater. Like, I don't want to be here. I, I, I don't want to be here. And I've had that feeling myself. I've had to fight that a few times myself in my life. And, um, yeah. it just was, it, it was just too much for him to fight. He just didn't want to be here anymore. And, um, you know, when you have fears, but you know, you're not afraid to die and you know, what's going to come next. That looks a lot better than what's than living in fear uh, every day. Yeah. Just fast. Yeah. Fast forward. I'm, I'm living in a home. I, you know, I'm not going to do things that, that other people do. And, yeah. Yeah. But he hasn't found his purpose yet. No, exactly. I was just going to say that. Good yeah, thinking, he, Ken, because I, mean, I was just going to say the same thing. But when you have yeah. that purpose, like yeah. I knew somewhere inside me, okay, I had a purpose beyond yeah. living in OCD. Once I wrote the book, which was really cathartic, and it, it, that's what, um, it came out in like 2013. It's still available on Kindle uh, on Amazon. It's called Breaking Free from OCD and Karen McCracken. Um, it has my made a name in there too. But if you find me on Amazon and, and any of those books, or you can go to my yeah. website and, and click on it there, you can get it. And it's just, I felt like I needed to do that. I needed to help other people. I feel mm. like we have a responsibility that when we go through something and we have some victory in any way on the other side, we're supposed to turn around and help other people through the same thing. Uh, I just feel absolutely. like that's, no, that's part of our purpose. I think what you're doing has great purpose because you you know that people need uh, awareness and help with mental health. But I also mm. think the jar has great purpose because not only does it illuminate um, some of the issues that we all have in common, but it it, it yeah. illuminates the wonderful things, the wonderful yes. things that some of us have in common. And I that's one reason why I've enjoyed it so much. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, um, I think it does come down. I think if there's a thread of purpose throughout the jar, mm -hmm. I think there's a thread of purpose throughout this, uh, this podcast I love that. as well. I love yeah. that. Those are beautiful words. Thank you, Karen. Those are beautiful. That's, that's beautiful thought that does put some, it does put a little, I don't, um, kind of hard to say, not quite articulate it, but it does make me frame the way I look at the jar differently. Because it has its own purpose, as an as a as a kind of a living, breathing organism that it's become. It does. Mm. It really does. I have mm. several people that I've referred it to, and they listen to it, and they'll send me a message, you know, text me and say, "Oh my gosh, did you listen to episode number?" <laughs> da, da, da. If you haven't, you need to listen to this. Oh. So it really does. Yeah. In case you didn't there know. Are... <laughs> no, I love. I mean, I don't know, right? You know, I'm just grinding away, and you know. Um, you know, you know 
that what you're capturing is magic in a in a in a glass in a way, right? I do yeah. feel like there's moments catching people at a particular time and recording it, and it's there permanent uh, for them to go back to for their family for their grandkids. You know, imagine your grandchildren being able to hear your story, or if you were to hear your grandfather's story. Oh, or yeah. your grandmother's story. I would die. I would die for an episode of my grandpa on the jar. Oh, that um, would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Yeah. And so that's kind of part of my motivation now, too, is I've taken on this this permanence of it, this this record and recording it and leaving it out there for people. Karen, it's an awesome conversation. Um, you know, womeninspired.com. You got one book done. You got it. Well, you got one book done, two done. Uh, yeah, I have two. I have uh, I have one coming up. One coming one? out in the spring. The it's next one is sp- "Woman Let Go." Okay, yeah, it's called "Woman Let Go: Release the Grip of Unforgiveness." Oh, I yeah. love that one. I already love yeah. that. Release the grip. Release the grip of unforgiveness. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's probably the that might be the biggest common thread on like an aha for so many of the guests is like everybody shares the concept, you know, forgiveness is not for you. It's for the other person and you should forgive for these reasons. And the way people share it as such a tidbit of knowledge, I know that they've just discovered it. It's not old. You know, they're not speaking from wisdom. They're speaking from enlightenment. Like I've just, did you know that you should forgive for the other person? It's amazing. You know, and they're sharing it and I'm like, damn straight. I love that. Um, so it's, it's great fun. when you can, it's great when you can and, and um, it's great for the other person, but sometimes um, it's not possible for the other person to even know that you've forgiven them. And it's still I, important for yourself it's to forgive important. And it's also one thing I address in the book um, is forgiving yourself, which is one of the hardest things to do. And this yeah. is, man, when I flip that question on to have you forgiven yourself, you know, there's always that dead air pause. Yeah. And, yeah. and you just feel the breath. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard, it's but it's possible. Right? Yes, it is. It's, it's hard, but it's, it's possible. Totally, it's totally possible. Yeah. Forgiving yourself yeah. is very easy. You can you can be like me and be a you know kind of cavalier about it and uh, you know just whatever okay I forgive myself because I'm an idiot and you know and I can't <laughs> keep tra- and I can't keep track of the next five things I'm going to do that I should forgive myself for um, so I'm just yeah, gonna as, let it all, as I can't as you I get older it doesn't immediate. matter as much because you can't remember what you did anyway. can't remember anything and, and the list of crimes is so long that there's no possible way right. I can go back and account for everything right so I've given myself. Oh. I've given myself blanket immunity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, giving yourself grace is so important, though, because yeah. I think that really, you know, it, it, it can hold you back from anything you want to do, including relationships and and um, dreams and goals. It can hold you back from your purpose. If you're holding yeah, on to for unforgiveness, I mean, just, yeah. Oh, it's just, you know, I could talk like for another hour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could we talk could. For another hour about forgiveness. We could. Oh man. Well, let's come back. We'll do, you know, let's come back in a few months and do forgiveness when you, when you release the book. Okay. Yeah, that would be great. I would love that. Let's come back and talk about forgiveness. We'll talk another hour. Karen, thanks. I mean, 
awesome. What you're doing is great. Keep going. You're on, you know, you're on the right path. And man, you know, I could not imagine, you know, your, your son doing, you know, he's doing well. That. Yeah. He's, he's doing sometimes you well. come out of that very, sometimes he needs to see that dark side of himself to realize he's, he's determined not to ever refuse to take medication again. Um, because ah. he, he feels the difference now. And so thank God for that, you know, thank God for that. So we're very happy uh, about that. So something positive came out of it and we have to look at it that way. And, but he's, yeah. he's doing okay. Yeah. Well, he's fi And he's figured it out, which is, you know, yeah, you feel yeah. great. You feel great without your medicine on, on, until you don't. And, exactly. and, you know, and then you, and then you yeah. don't, and it's not good. It's not easy to get back to feeling good for a long time. It, well, and there's nothing wrong with taking medication if you need it, you know, and yeah. he would, he was like, Oh no, I don't want to take it. And, and I'm like, you know, if, if, if somebody with diabetes, um, cause he has a family member who has diabetes, didn't take their insulin, they would die. Um, it's no different. It's no different. It's no different taking mental health medication than taking any other kind of medication you need. It's about your health. Yeah. So it's good. To, it's good to hear. I mean, I'm glad, it, I'm yeah. glad that's worked out and, and that Thank he's you. come away with a rough, lesson. Was a rough time. Was a rough time last oh. year. I, uh, I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine. That's like a parent's, that's yeah. your, in your worst night. That's your worst nightmares as a parent. That phone is. call is the worst phone call. God bless you. It that's, is. He's come out yeah. stronger yeah. and probably your relationship is probably even tighter. Yeah. We have, we have a really good relationship with him, oh, both my okay. husband and I do. So it's, we're very thankful. It's been a long road, um, but we're, we're very thankful. So I thank you so much for having me back on, on one of your podcasts. I appreciate it. I really enjoy getting to talk to you yeah. and visit with you. Yeah, it's good. And you, for you kind of putting a spotlight on OCD. I appreciate that too. Yeah. And, and like you said, making fun of it. And it's a good, it's a good reminder that, you know, n there's no mental health issue that's worth a giggle. You know, it's caught, really. especially when it's at the cost of somebody else. Um, yeah. And like you said, yeah. it's, it's not, you know, it's a trigger point as well. So doing that stuff mm -hmm. is also could send somebody into a really bad place. It could. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. And, uh, you know, especially people listening on the recorded version, you're driving around your car and you're catching up on, on this, just go to womeninspired.com and you can find out a lot more about Karen. She's great, great human and has a great, absolutely great story. You can catch one of our shows probably posted around October or September of last year. And, uh, it's a great episode. Um, be sure and find that, reach it out. Karen, hang around for just 30 seconds. I got a little commercial and then I'll, and I'll see you. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, loose, baby. But we're about to go and make this vessel with these great professionals yeah. in public glass. We're not part of the community, but we're from Ooh. the outer family of glass blowing. Yeah, we're going to go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it it changes all the time so if you change the way you look at things the things you look at change